Welcome to the More Happiness, Less Suffering podcast. I'm Casey Howe, Senior Meditation and Dharma Teacher for Inside LA. And I'm Dr. Monisha Vasa, Psychiatrist. In our little podcasting studio in Orange County, California, we bring wisdom from the couch and the cushion to your real-life questions and struggles. So grab a cup of tea and join us. We're, We're so glad, glad you're, you're here. here. So welcome back to the More Happiness, Less Suffering podcast. We're really glad to have you back with us. And today we are going to be talking about perspective, which I think is something that we all are challenged by or struggle with sometimes to maintain uh, the type of perspective that perhaps serves us best, uh, especially when faced with challenges. So as always, we're going to start with a poem, and this poem is a personal favorite. Um, It's called The Guest House by Rumi, and I'll go ahead and read it. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Wonderful. One of my favorites. Yeah, I was going to say oldie but goodie. Yeah. <laughs> I guess super old. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, you know, in, in a meditation sense, you know, when I think about uh, perspective, I think a lot about stillness and our inability to see the, the stillness. So this perspective between like, like stress and, and peace and mm. calm and agitation you know, we could, we could choose kind of by our attention what perspective we want to be look, looking at things, like this lens, if you will. And it's interesting to note that when we look out in, in the physical world, that a lot of times we don't see the, the space around even physical objects. And of course, there's a, a great analogy that's been used for a long, long time when looking at a, a picture or something that has a lot of space in it. And, and Chogam Chupa, you know, great Tibetan master, used to do this a lot when he would show students a picture and it would be a clear blue sky, like a beach day, and there'd be a bird, you know, in that photo. And he would say, what do you see? <laughs> you know, and then of course everyone would say, oh, you'll see a bird, you know? And he's like, well, yeah, but most of this, like 99% mm-hmm. of this, uh, this picture is space, you know? And we're trained to, we're trained to see the bird and you know, something phys- physiological, biological. We're trained to see the bird. We're trained to see the objects in a room. We're not trained to see the space. And we're also not trained to see the stillness in things. Same thing, like the space and the stillness. If you think with our physical perspective, 
if you're looking out somewhere and and uh, it could be like this vast landscape, it's kind of the same situation and it might look like nothing's there, but if something moves, then we're going to notice that. We're going to notice movement. Mm-hmm. So we notice movement and we also notice objects. We notice movement, we notice objects. So it's like we, we, we see the contents of this space we don't see the space. And with meditation or turning inward, we're trying to find the, this, this place of refuge within, our, within ourselves. We're looking to see that spaciousness, but, mm. excuse me, it's the same thing that happens mm-hmm. when, we, when we close our eyes. We don't see the spaciousness, even though it's quite amazing. This is absolutely fascinating. When we turn inward, there's really nothing but space. It's just incredible. And yet what's even more incredible is we don't see it. We just mm-hmm. see, oh my gosh, my mind's racing with thoughts. My mind, I mean, think about the mind, completely vast, you know, this extremely vast, amazing mind that goes on infinitely. Yet we see the thoughts, we see sensations, we see beliefs, we see the daydreams, we see uh, all the contents, and it looks so busy. And again, going back to that movement or stillness, we don't see the stillness, we see the mind in movement. We don't see the observer that's, that's quite still watching this mind in movement. And we see all the contents all the time coming and going and in fact we don't even see them going because there's so so much to kind of witness and I think the key is is this perspective piece is we have it's kind of a trained thing you know a learned thing that we need to pay attention to the spaciousness and this is the whole practice is pointing that out like what am I when I'm not attached to my incessant thinking. Mm-hmm. And then when we turn inward on that, we recognize, wow, there's a lot of space here, you know, and and we start to move our attentional value, you know, the, the, the lion's share of our attention can be moved more towards this appearance of space as opposed to the appearance of what's happening within that space. And one thing I was interested actually on this topic about asking you, like, as a psychiatrist, you know, I'm sure you you come upon this every single day of your practice, because I know for myself, I'm caught up in my own stories and what I see and what I think to be real and what I think like so-and-so said and how they meant it (laughs) and all that stuff. So I I could see... I watch my mind grab onto these very, what I consider concrete things. And I could see that my mind is, is absorbed in that instead of seeing the spaciousness around these things. What are some tools, techniques, you know, advice that you give to your patients when they're kind of caught up in the contents and can't see the space of things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a challenge because as you said, you know, we all have had that experience of feeling caught up by those thoughts and emotions and sensations and 
In fact, I think because that is what we're either wired to do or trained to do, and to instead see the the stillness that is inherent or to see the spaciousness, we have to train ourselves to be able to shift our perspective in that way. Um, but until we've been able to do that, in a sense, I feel like that stillness could be mistaken maybe for other things, like it could be mistaken for boredom, it could be mistaken for nothing's happening, it could be mistaken for lack of interesting or exciting things, you know, to think about and reflect upon. So in a way, I think there's almost like this this period of time where as we're starting to notice that stillness and notice the space that we actually have to discern like, oh, this is spaciousness, this is not boredom, you know, or this is not feeling lonely or whatever it may be, you mm -hmm. know. Um, but I think it, it, it's sort of this ongoing question of how do we continue to work with seeing alternate perspectives, you know, other than the one that we're perhaps most attached to, you know, in the moment. And I can think of one patient in particular, you know, this is related to the, the current COVID situation. And this, this person was a healthcare worker and they were feeling really anxious about a call shift that they were going to have to take. It's probably about like three weeks away. And they were going through all the potential scenarios of what would happen if they were to get exposed to COVID during that call shift. And, and sort of not only if they were to get exposed, if they were to get sick, what would happen to their children, what would happen to their spouse, what would happen to their other patients. And really sort of like a, almost like a runaway train of like, what ifs, what if this, what if that? And so very much sort of um, caught in the anxiety and the fear of, of all of those potential scenarios. And, you know, part of how we worked together was to, to pause and to, to even recognize or name that these are multiple potential scenarios that none of which are unfolding in the present moment. You know, there's about a thousand other things that could happen between now and three weeks from now. And even if you were to be exposed about a thousand things that could happen between that exposure and all those potential consequences. And so when you come back to, okay, well, what, what's actually true in the present moment? Like right here, right now, what do we know to be true? And none of that actually is what we know to be true, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so it it kind of connects us to a sense of um, the the spaciousness that exists when we're fully present with what's true right now, which usually is not all of those thoughts and beliefs and emotions and opinions and sensations. You know, it's it's not anything that's happened in the past. It's not anything that's going to happen in the future. And when we can really tune very, very specifically into the present moment, there is this infinite quality to it. You know, um, I think a lot, for example, I've been trying to to practice, you know, and I, I think my, my morning practice, I try to have my coffee very mindfully, you know, and you think about like when you really tune into all this, all the sensations, if you're fully present with that cup of coffee, there really is an infinite quality. There's such a spaciousness to just that moment, you know, because all the other stuff starts to fade into the background. Um, and so that's that's one tool that we often use is like 
well, when we're having all this anxiety about all these things that could happen, okay, but let's bring ourselves back to the here and now, you know, what is the quality of this moment? Yeah. And, and I think that the, the getting back and the awakening, like one, once we're here and we're unhooked, you know, for me, this is where the beginning of the exploration begins because we, like I mentioned, we're just so stuck all the time in our mental fabrications and that we forget these other possibilities of awareness. So this, this um, entertaining um, of, of different levels of awareness, we have, we have uh, our emotional body, you know, we have our mental body, um, we have obviously the, the physical body, we have kind of these, these spiritual realms and we can connect to different things. Mm-hmm. We could, you know, connect to different pieces of ourselves. And then, you know, even spiritually speaking, and we can actually become, we can become different flavors, like different personalities. You know, we have different, we have different personalities. We, we could see ourselves go through these different personalities. We could even take on different group consciousness, you know, when we're in different groups, we actually act a different way. Yeah. You know, if you're with your immediate family and then you go into a group of, you know, your hobbyists and you're in within that hobby, you have a different consciousness and, and you see things in a different way. You could even maybe notice yourself in certain situations thinking a little bit different when you're in a certain group of people when we're in different environments as far as like nature environments some some nature environments are you know very very spacious but energetically very peaceful very calm and and we could see through that perspective if we sit in nature maybe meditate in nature you will see i know it sounds very airy fairy but if you sit with a tree actually if you meditate on a tree you meditate on a stone you meditate meditate on a bush you meditate on the sky there's certain attributes of those different things that we could literally merge with. You know, we can become, we could become the the log energetically. We could, we could feel this. And then behind, in, in the backdrop of all those different experiences, there's this underlying consciousness, this underlying non-state, this underlying thing that all of those different personalities, different energies, um, uh, different uh, perspectives are arising within. As soon as we become awake, we could also tap in to, we, maybe we can call this the ultimate perspective. It's a non-perspective. It's the, there's no center here. Mm-hmm. There's no subject, no object. There's no, um, there's no you know, self and other. There's no duality, right? And I think ultimately in in meditation practice, when we get to um, this place of of uh, maybe pure being beingness or also like non being there's no one being mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no one doing anything mm-hmm. and and this doesn't this doesn't have to happen in this very deep meditation and and all this stuff it could happen it could happen very easily very simply in this moment, like when you wake up, like you mentioned, just coming back to the now, if we investigate what brings us back to the now, 
what awareness brings us back to the now? What awareness is even still aware of the chaos? And we can investigate the qualities of that, that very, very, very base level, essence level wakefulness. What is that quality? And, and in the end, when we start investigating the quality of this pure essence awareness, this is where there's a lot of fruition of the relief of suffering, mm -hmm. the release of grasping, the release of needing things to be, you know, a certain way, the release of me and mine and, and all of the struggle that comes with protecting the me, protecting the mine, you know, all the possessiveness, you know, the root of all of that gets cut when we start to tap in on a very deep level to that, to that. And I say a deep level, it's just a matter of perspective. Mm -hmm. it's, it's deep in that it's the negation of everything that we're taught and, and every habit that we have. Mm -hmm. It's deep in that sense. It's deep because it's this surrender that we've never even felt possible. You know, it's this absolute surrender mm -hmm. where there's literally, literally nothing. Uh, it's, a, it's a goalless mm -hmm. deal. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's absolute uh, nothingness. And in, in, in that, there's so much, there's, there's everything is mm -hmm. in that. Mm -hmm. It's tricky because I think when we, you know, like the times that we've taught together, for example, I mean, that's a concept that oftentimes I think many people have never even been exposed to, you know, this idea that there is a watcher, you know, and this this idea of um, that there really is no, you know, I'm me and you're you, you know, self and other, you know, that I think in some ways, I think part of the reason it feels like such a profound shift is because for many of us, we haven't even heard that, you know, we don't even, we don't even know that we could, can shift our perspective in that way. And so, um, I think when we, when we perhaps hear that or come upon that, there's almost like this period, period of like, wow, like I, I didn't even think of it that way. Yeah. And, um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, the entire, our entire society is not coming from that yes. perspective. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. For sure. And and even even the words that we use, like we're, you know, there's an observer of all these things. Um, that's just a word. Yeah. You know, that's not true either. There's, there's t you know, technically not an observer either, but it's a great stepping stone, a neutral observer, just watching things come and go. That's mm -hmm. cool. You know, we can start there. And, you know, if you are hearing this for the first time, just, you know, infinite patience yeah. and patience and understanding. And, and I, I think it's an interesting, we talk about a paradox a lot mm -hmm. because um, it, the, the paradox is that we get there by non-striving <laughs> and not thinking about it. But mm -hmm. I, me too, I was just, I was just thinking about it, mulling it over, contemplating mm -hmm. it. And, you know, all, I know all my teachers were saying, no, you can't figure it out. Yeah. It's just more of an experience. And, mm -hmm. And to keep going with your meditation practice, and that's the most important piece, is the experiential taste of mm -hmm. these things. Always take a, a meditation technique or whatever you're hearing, these things, and try them on in the silence of your own being. 
don't don't mull it over and read another book mm-hmm. and listen to another darn podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, these are all invitations for your own personal experience. As a teenager, I would read uh, a little book from mostly like the Hindu yogis would spell mm-hmm. out these techniques, and I never wanted the long explanations. I was just like, give me the quick technique. <laughs> I'm gonna go meditate. Like, you know, probably I was like on the opposite end. I probably should have like learned more, right? I didn't mm-hmm. care. It's like I just wanna, I just wanna sit. I just mm-hmm. wanna figure it out myself. Mm-hmm. And um, but I think as I go along, actually, I think that's the better approach than mm-hmm. learning and learning and learning and listening and listening. It's like, all right, enough of that. Let's practice. Let's practice mm-hmm. um, and try it on for yourself and, mm-hmm. and trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you're a, you're a Buddha, you mm-hmm. know. Like like you're you're it. You're mm-hmm. you're already are what you're seeking, mm-hmm. and trust in that. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe let's move into uh, a bit of a practice where we end with a short meditation. And if you could join us, like always, just if you're driving, um, then don't close your eyes. And <laughs> uh, But no matter where you are, of course, you could just listen and allow the words to to just move through you as needed. And so allowing your eyes to close if you like, if you can. Then paying attention to attention, paying attention to the part of your beingness that knows that you're here. And like we mentioned in the beginning, notice that this awareness is quite intrigued with movement. When something moves in the mind, it's almost like noticing a fish underwater. The mind automatically catches it notices it and then it wants to follow it it gets hooked and by simply recognizing this process see if anything changes Minding the mind, maybe without any goal, just investigating and staying curious on how the mind works. When is it present? How does it get caught in thoughts? Notice when it awakens.
And noticing how long it stays. Stays in the moment. Paying attention to sound, sensations. The breath. Thoughts, emotions. Notice the noticer, the watcher. And allowing yourself to marinate for a few moments in this neutral observer, that, that which notices all phenomena, all sounds, sensations, beliefs, concepts, daydreams. That which is watching all of them come and go. Like clouds arising, abiding and falling away. marinating in awareness itself. Just wishing that all beings everywhere can feel that spaciousness. They could tap into that awareness where everything's at ease. May all beings, myself included, be happy and free from suffering. <laughs> 